Disclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. So that is FFH, their song called One of These Days. Anyway, I want to welcome you all. Thank you guys for coming in. Yes, we are a couple minutes late. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have to wait and get things set up. But we try to be close to 2 o'clock. Anyway, I want to welcome all of you there here on Periscope. Those of you who are listening to the archive of this on Blog Talk Radio, I want to let you know that as of July 1st, we, we will no longer be broadcasting live on Blog Talk Radio. We have had so many problems with them recording our feed and, and everything. And honestly, it's just not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. So the good news, though, for all you Blog Talk Radio listeners is that you can have access to our 15, 1600 archives that are on Blog Talk Radio. I was actually told that they will actually remain, which is very cool. So you'll have gazillions of episodes to listen to. But uh, if you are a podcast listener, then one thing you need to do is go over to BibleNewsRadio.com, get on my email list, and we will make sure that you know where you can watch the show. I mean, we're on Periscope, everybody. 
Periscope is where our our audience really is. Even though there's 6,000 of you supposedly that download the show every month on, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, I don't hear from you. So that's part of the reason I'm canceling it because I figure why spend all the money if I'm not hearing from anybody. So there you go. Bye, Blog Talk Radio. See ya in seven years. Nice, nice being with you for seven whole years. And here's the other thing. I'm just going to share. Blog Talk Radio didn't even try to keep me as a customer after seven years. Just saying, people, that's not how to do business. So we will be putting our audio feed up over on BibleNewsRadio.com. And then those of you who actually like the podcast, you secretly listen. You can actually go over to my website (laughs) and you can listen over there. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Otherwise, I want to thank all of you guys who come in on, on Periscope. By the way, we're also posting this select episodes over on YouTube, and now we're also posting some of the archives over on Facebook. So it's not like you can't see the show or hear it anywhere. Uh, it's just Blog Talk Radio. Bye-bye, Blog Talk Radio. It's been nice. Anyway. <clears throat> Okay, I feel better now. All right, so today we have a guest that has been on our show uh, numerous times, like too many. I can't even count them all. Uh, He's sweet and lovable, as I am, as you all know. Uh, Deemed a heretic by a few, (laughs) maybe. Uh, Controversial, for sure. Um, But you know what? I love the guy because he's bold. And, And yesterday, if you listened to our show, one of the things that that uh, you heard was uh, Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, who actually boldly stood up for the name of Jesus. You know, I mean, you stand up for Christ, right? You're bold, especially in this wimpy generation where we have a lot of yellow-bellied, wimpy people who are too afraid to say that Jesus is Lord or marriage is one man and one woman because how dare you? Oh, you're so intolerant. You're a hateful bigot. All right, anyway, bygones. Anyway, so Doug is bold. And um, we're going to be talking about his brand new book. It's called The Revealing. And it's going to talk about the, the afterlife, unlocking hidden truths on the glorification of God's children. This is the actual book. You can get it over at Doug's Day Doom, Doomsday Doug, rather. Doomsday, what is it? Doomsdaydoug.com, right? Yeah, okay. And, uh, and we'll have Doug on in a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, which helps underwrite Bible News Radio. And you can go over there. Uh, to ariel.org, and you can save 20% on anything in the store when you use the coupon code Bible News. And by the way, we actually also have a special going on right now with Ariel uh, for their D.L. Cooper Messianic series. This is a series of seven different books where uh, where you can look at the God of Israel, Messiah, his nature and person, Messiah, his redemptive career, Messiah, his first coming scheduled, Messiah, his historical appearance, Messiah, the glorious appearance, eminent, and Messiah, his final call to Israel. Just so you know, you can save 20% and use the coupon code Bible News uh, there, and, and that drops the price from $32 to about 25 and some change. So check it out. Go over to my Twitter account, twitter.com forward slash Bible News Radio. I have a pinned tweet there with the actual link that you just saw there on the screen, bit.ly.cooper underscore books. Just go over to my Twitter. You can click that link directly. It will take you right to the page there at ariel.org. All right, so check that out and support our sponsor because the more you support them, the more we're supported. And that also, I should tell you, uh, we also have set up a new Patreon page for our pillars of the community. Uh, And we do have a couple of you, 
But those of you who are not yet a pillar of the community, I want you to know that um, we want you to go ahead and sign up to become a Patreon, a patron of Bible News Radio. And look, I know a lot of people are strapped for money. <laughs> Trust me, I know that more than you, you know. But anyway, so we have levels there, starting at $3 a month to $100 a month. And we got little rewards listed there, you know, under each category. So if you like our show and you want to throw a couple of bucks our way, then go over to patreon.com forward slash Bible news and, um, and support the show because we, we actually need the support and we're here every day. So feed me just so you know, you remember that game Pac-Man, you know, where that little Pac-Man, he got the little pebbles. He's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> you get little stars and stuff as a result. Anyway, anyway, those of you who are our pillars of the community, thank you already in advance. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope more of you become that because we really, 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 really need your support. Okay, so now here's the thing, right? We're going to talk to uh, Stephen Douglas Woodward, who is my guest today. He's, he's making himself look handsome. Um, but let me tell you, we have this new book. It, it's actually co-authored by Gary L. Huffman. He is co-author of the book. And Doug, I'm going to talk, call him Doug. He's authored 14 books, at least, including The Final Babylon and Revising Reality. He's an adjunct professor of business at Major University and a publisher of Faith Happens Books in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, just so you know. And he's going to tell you even more about how great he is, who he is, because <laughs> here he is on the show right now. Doug, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's uh, it's what a wonderful introduction, and and I I'm so humbled already by uh, all that you shared about me. <laughs> Thank you. You wrote it. <laughs> well, I did. You know, you're supposed to talk, chat yourself up a little bit when you put yourself on the back of the book or whatever when you write a you know like a do a resume. So you have to you have to be positive. So so that's that's true. Hopefully, though, I I you know remain a, a humble servant and. Uh, uh, and, and don't, uh, you know, sound my horn too much. But that's what I'm hoping. Do you hate it? I mean, I really do. I like people like write your bio, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm just me, just so you know. By the way, I have to tell everybody, Victoria Koloff Robinson or whatever her last name is now, she actually was supposed to be my guest today for all just, I just got to put this plug, plug in. Um, Victoria ended up having a, a conflict, a, a a conflict with our schedule uh so we're hoping to book her for july <laughs> that's why and i called doug at the last minute literally he actually decided that he would come on literally at the last minute uh to our show so just so you know that's why victoria isn't here because we had a conflict well actually yeah it was weird but anyway my it was my bad we were both bad let's put it that way we <laughs> We didn't communicate well, but we'll get Victoria on soon. Okay, put put Doug back on. Okay, so yeah, there I am. All right, am. so tell everybody. Hey, I'm always your standby guy. You can always just about every day. I I write. You know, that's what I primarily do, and I'm usually at my typewriter typing and working on books and articles and whatnot. So I'm almost always available if uh, if if you have a problem with your guests. So feel free to keep me in mind. I will. Well, okay, so here's the deal. Doug sent me a press release about the 70th uh, anniversary of Roswell. That's true. Yeah, so let's talk about Roswell first, UFOs, all that fun stuff, and then we'll get into your Good book. Times. Sure. 
Sure. So for people who don't know what that is, what Roswell is, okay, let me ask you guys in the chat room. Put a one if you actually know what Roswell is and why it's so important. We'll wait uh, just a minute here. And, sure. and then we'll get an idea of this audience and see if they know anything about Roswell. <laughs> By the way, where is Roswell? It's in New Mexico? It is. It's in sort okay. of south-central New Mexico. It's uh, it's really pretty pretty much out of the way. If you're going to go there, you have to sort of make a special trip. It's not like it's it's not like it's sitting on an interstate or something. So it's uh, it's it's kind of off the beaten path, as they say. Okay, so I put it. I put it. I said put a one if you don't know what it is. Right? Is that no, what I said? No if you one. know what it is. Okay. No. All right. So I've gotten a couple of ones and I've gotten a couple of zeros. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe that's a sign significant that tells us the audience is is split. So well, we can tell them what it is. It doesn't take too long. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay. the, it was the first major incident that was uh, sort of broadcast around the United States, July, roughly July the first, uh, nineteen forty-seven, and it's sort of the modern era of unidentified flying objects, UFOs. And the Roswell incident is has there's probably been more books written about that than any other topic in the in the UFO world. So um, all the folks that study and write about UFOs and interpret them, Roswell is kind of the beginning point of all of that. Now, do you actually think? Okay, so let me make sure I understand the reality. So at Roswell, supposedly there was a UFO crash, and our government like totally has the aliens that were on the ufo and they've been keeping them in hiding for all these decades is that right the the dead aliens the yes dead aliens. Now that was that was sort of part of the story the the strange metal that you could kind of crumple up you know and they would spring back in place and uh i think it was jesse ortel maybe that was the he was like the major colonel or whatever that was uh the first on the scene from the air force and supposedly the very next day that it was a headline across the United States that, that the air force had captured a, a flying saucer. And then the, the U S army got into, um, into a mode where they were sort of denying that it happened. And it, you know, they said, Oh, this was just a weather balloon that fell out of the sky. So it's uh, it clearly wasn't a weather balloon, but exactly what it was has been, of course, the subject of, of great debate, but yes, the, uh, Probably the one of the most interesting books was a book uh, called The Day After Roswell. And uh, it was a, an analysis supposedly by the, uh, I believe he was a general in the U.S. Army whose job it was to take all of the alien technology on the spacecraft and to um, basically take that technology and, and dish it out to various corporate um members of the military industrial complex so they could take advantage of of all of the technology that was on the spacecraft that's the story of the book the day after roswell very interesting and you know so what do you actually think do you think that there was like real aliens or do you think this is just like a evidence of the demonic realm well i i think ultimately that that the whole issue of the flying saucer phenomenon it's two things it's one is that it, it? It's a cover story for advanced technology research and development that the that the Army and the, the Air Force, the U.S. does. Area 51 has been publicly disclosed now as as a test location out in Nevada for the you know the stealth aircraft, the the uh, F-117 stealth fighter, 
the B-2 bomber, all of those things. So we know that it exists um, and we know that the government has been working on uh, various types of advanced fighter aircraft. That's that's publicly disclosed. So there's no secret about that anymore, although it was denied, of course, for many years. But the, the question about whether or not there have been alien bodies that have been actually discovered on, on aircraft of some sort, um, that's much more controversial and and has not been publicly disclosed by the United States. But so I still think that a good chunk of uh, flying saucers, and I've, I've written about this quite a bit in a number of my books, that, um, you know, that flying saucers are either uh, aircraft that have been developed by humans that uh, we don't necessarily wish to publicly discuss what it is they can do, or uh, there are aircraft or objects in the sky that are the result of some type of spiritual phenomenon that's either demonic or it's actually generated by perhaps even by the power of the human mind, people that are focused on uh, creating orbs and things like that, that seems to be also a possibility. So, so uh, again, I've written about that. I wrote a book called uh, Lion Wonders of the Red Planet and, uh, and other books where I talk about Jack Parsons, JPL, the uh, kind of the beginnings of science fiction and how that correlates with the, the sort of the, the advancement, the burgeoning, as, as our friend L.A. Marzulli calls it, the burgeoning evidence of flying saucers. So it's a real phenomenon, and uh, I think it's partially otherworldly, partially really demonic, and, but it's mostly, um, I think it's mostly human activity. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, and I will say that, um, you know, radio shows like, um, what's the name of that show? Which one? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of it. For some reason, the name Art comes Oh, George Nori, like Coast George, to Coast? Yeah, George, yeah, yeah, Coast to Coast. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You're thinking yeah. of Art Bell. Art Bell. I was actually thinking mm-hmm. of Art Moore, but Art Moore is John D. A... Wells, Caravan to Midnight, all the all of these uh, late night talk show hosts. Yeah. They've sort of built their business around uh, flying saucers and things like that. Yeah, well, see, that's that's the thing. I mean, George Norrie, to my knowledge, isn't a Christian, but he has all these other believe He has believers right. and unbelievers on. But, He's open-minded. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is that this is like one of the largest type shows in the, in the world. And so it's kind of like, okay, there's such a spiritual thirst uh, there, mm-hmm. there, there is, and 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 you know, I know L.A. Marzulli talks about you know the there's a cosmic chess match going on and all this other stuff, and and the church is like, what did you say mm-hmm. something? And the the irony about the church, and I'm not I don't mean to bag on the church, but the irony is that there is a segment of the church that there's the devil behind everything, and bind, we're binding Satan left and right, man. Satan should be so bound. I mean, you should, he's like in duct tape spiritual duct tape because he's been bound so much right and yet at the same time there's no one of there's worse the effectiveness of the body of christ it's it, it's it's rather ironic and yet at the same time um in the in the old testament we know that the that um chariots of fire were mentioned right mm-hmm. now was that chariot a literal transportation place or was it just the figment of elijah's imagination you know i mean i I think that it was real and it probably mm. didn't look the way that we think, but whatever. Well, the concept of a flying throne, Dr. Michael Heiser, who uh, a lot of us are paying attention to these days because he's a evangelical, but a scholar as well. And, and he would say that the idea of a, of a majestic 
flying throne was yeah. not unique to Ezekiel, but it was sort of a common vision that was expressed in Mesopotamia hmm. uh, during that period of time. So now, was it really a flying saucer? I don't think so. I think it was a vision and it was a vision of angels and the cherubim and so forth. And um, so different ideas about that. But no, I don't think it was a flying saucer. I do think it was a real vision. And I do think that that the throne of God, you know, when if we were to look at it, we would be stunned as to how it looks. So uh, that makes sense. That actually does make sense. But still, I mean, the, what you just said, though, about Michael Heiser cracks me up. He's an evangelical and a scholar. <laughs> And, and, and that's presupposing, I very pres intentionally that way because pre presupposing that you can't be a highly educated person and an evangelical, I should smack you. I there. would say that you can be. Uh, that <laughs> most of the folks that appear on radio stations, shows, and forth, so forth, are not PhDs. And um, mm, that's you true. Know, I'm, I'm a THM, um, thanks to the conference of a degree from a seminary based upon all the work I've done through the years. Um, but, um, you know, it's, there's not necessarily a lot of scholars that, uh, that are the, are public faces for these unusual topics that we talk about in the eschatology community, like flying saucers and the Nephilim and giants and, and so forth. Gotcha. Well, L.A. Marzulli, isn't he a doctor? Some didn't they give him a, a doctorate? It was a fake one, right? That was like not a real. Well, one. <laughs> it's a it's an his is an honorary it's doctorate. An honorary. Mine is technically a conferred doctorate based upon work, but you know, realistically, um, they're pretty similar. I was given an honorary doctorate by my friend, Doctor Jennifer Fee. Okay. She actually. So you, you write? Do you write, Doctor uh, Stacy Linhart? I don't, but she gave me an honorary doctorate, and she used to call me Doctor Blog way back in the day. <laughs> true, true story. I, I don't have a doctorate, but I do have a master's degree that I earned. Yes, exactly. So and I think that's impressive, and you and you you have some psychological training, so I think that's important. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. so what's interesting is we got the seventy. Uh, and it's 70th anniversary of Roswell. Um, and 70 is very interesting in the Bible. And then we have this brand new book that you wrote about really about the afterlife. And um, <clears throat> you always write very interesting stuff. I mean, really, you're, you're very unique in what you write. So I'm going to read a little bit of, from the back here, um, just so people get an idea of what's actually in the book. Okay, so it says here, uh, relying on a detailed study of the scripture and citing deep insight from scholars, the authors cover, uncover rather truths unfamiliar to all but the most advanced eschatology students. Like, why is heaven not the believer's ultimate reward? <gasps> I can't believe you said that. Why is the New <laughs> Jerusalem a people and not just a place? I totally understand both these things. But what is our surest motive to persevere through persecution? Why do tribulations and trials bring us closer to glory? How does the Hebrew tabernacle prefigure uh, New Testament? That would be very interesting, I'm sure. Uh, prefigure pre New Testament teaching on justification, sanctification, and glorification. See, the tabernacle is something that most Christians never study. and uh, There's so mm -hmm. much symbolism in there. If you've ever heard yeah. Chuck Missler talk about it, it's, gosh, it's crazy. Fascinating. Uh, what does the Feast of Tabernacles teach us about the afterlife? Does the ministry of the church continue after the rapture? 
And will we appear on the earth during the Great Tribulation? All of these are very interesting and very intriguing questions. So where would you like to start? Well, oh, teacher that you, know, you are. You pick, let you pick out one that is interesting to you. Okay. That perhaps you don't feel like you're an expert on and. And we could talk about that because that might be more fun for you. Okay, so I'm not an expert on any of these, but how about the, does the ministry of the church continue after the rapture? I, I would say the answer is yes. That's what I would say, okay. but and and I'll then, t- I'll tell you then why. But you, then then okay, so then tell me why you say yes. This isn't a yes, you're right, no, you're wrong, or whatever you know. I'm just curious. So let's let's. So why do you think it continues? I think it can. Well, I think I think it continues because um, because I believe that there will be people saved during the tribulation period, mm-hmm. and so um, whereas um, okay, so there's a couple there's a couple ways you can look, look at it. If if you look at now, you're saying after the tribulation, so that you're pre- saying after the tribulation begins. Uh, okay, before it begins. Okay, or no, after it, the tribulation begins is the church still involved in its ministry after the tribulation, presumably after the rapture. Okay. So presumably after the rapture. Um, okay. So if you're, if you're taking the believers out, then the question is you have to figure out where you believe that rapture is going to take place. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, so it would probably either be a, a mid trib rapture that would have to take place or, or a all millennial, right? Right? Could be. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. Well, so I played coy enough. Let, okay. Let me well, well, wait. Well, let me finish my oh, answer. No, okay. You're ready to, you're driving to a point. Go ahead. Okay. So, okay. So depending on what you believe eschatologically about that, um, mm-hmm. the rapture. Okay. But just so for sake of argument, I was thinking probably a different level than you. And that would be that all of the tapes, the TV shows, the internet issue, all of us. Okay. Let's just say for sake of argument that the church has already been taken out. All the Christians are gone. Mm-hmm. there's going to be all this media left behind with Christians in it proclaiming the gospel mm-hmm. left and right. Like my Bible's yes. going to be here. My Bible study, this show will probably still be on the internet. Um, so I think the ministry of the church could continue that way. But I also mm-hmm. think that there will be people that I think will be able to come to the Lord as a result, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. and so just like in those movies, which people hate, you know, <laughs> Like the Kurt Cameron movies. Yeah, you'll see the remnant of yes. of the church, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and so that's kind of my thinking. I don't know. I have not really thought about it much, obviously. Okay. Okay. Well, well, let me tell you where we're coming from on that okay. subject. Okay. Um, what we don't take in the book a an, an absolute position on whether or not uh, the rapture is pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath. Those are sort of the four major points of view or, you know, sort of no rapture at all, I suppose. Um, We don't take a real definite position, but we do say that there's probably a gap of time between when the rapture occurs and then before the visible return of Christ, that there is a period of wrath in in between. Now that, again, a pre-trib view, which I still hold to, you know, could be seven years or it could be even as Brother Bill Salas is talking now a larger gap of time, which I'm cautious about that, but, uh, but there's some period of time. So then the, the assumption is that, okay, so the church, let's say the church is raptured. Okay. And then the teaching of sort of the traditional point of view is that when it's raptured, 
it goes to its mansion in the sky, right? That uh, John 14, 1, mm-hmm. 2, and 3, right. you know, in my father's house are many mansions. And so the idea is that we are all translated, transformed, and go to heaven. And then we are in heaven waiting for the visible second coming, the, the visible return of Christ. And so for whatever period of time that is, be it 30 days or seven years or 10 years or whatever, we're, you know, we're in heaven. That's kind of the traditional rapture of you. And so what we're doing is we're supposing based upon uh, both the typology of the Old Testament, as well as this, many of the statements in Revelation and Isaiah and so forth, that actually the church, even though it has been translated and the bodies of believers have been glorified, that we aren't just in heaven singing songs and saying hallelujah, but we actually are still engaged in ministry on this earth as supernatural glorified uh, believers, which is a different point of view, one that um, not lots of people have talked about, but ironically or interestingly, there was a a very famous pastor named Ray Steadman that -hmm. wrote a number of books uh, sort of in the 60s, 70s, 80s. I think he passed away in the 1990s. But Stedman talks about this, and it's based upon, as, as the same as we believe, it's based upon the fact that the body of Christ and Christ at the rapture are united. They become one, and they don't become like, we're not like drops of water in a bucket. We're still individuals, but yet we are fully united. Uh, we dwell in him, he dwells in us, uh, and that dwelling is realized in the form of a glorified body in which we actually share in the glory of Christ. And that's a lot of what the book is about. But we believe that we will appear. uh, Christ uses this phrase in Matthew 24 about as uh, talking about the son of man. And that's, you're showing something. What is that? That's, that's how many people are in the room. Oh, how many people are 264? Hi folks. Well, that's not quite as many as yesterday, but it's, we're glad that they're there. Hopefully they will stay <laughs> and find other friends. So, well, anyway, the, the issue is, uh, will we be just sitting in heaven or will we be back on earth doing things? And Stedman proposed that, like Christ said, that just as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, uh, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Um, the idea really, though, was it's kind of like, wow, you know, after the resurrection, Jesus was seen from place to place, appeared momentarily, then he was gone, then he was somewhere else. And the the notion is that during this period of time, however long it is, we will continue to be his ministers, the church, we will appear, we will do signs, and uh, we will help those that are believers to come to a saving faith. And in particular, we will be ministers to the Israelis and the Jews that have taken up um, residence in Petra for safekeeping there, which is, again, another sort of standard teaching of the Bible, and we're sort of advancing on that or expanding on that. So does that kind of uh, give you the picture of what we're talking about? Yeah, it's very um, it's very interesting. What do you guys think in the chat room? I know there's lots of you. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you have, like, any questions for Doug? Doomsday Doug, by the way, Doomsday, Doomsday Doug. Doug. Yes, that's Dooms- me. DoomsdayDoug.com. You guys. I can see. read. Uh, I can read a little section from Ray Stedman too, to yeah. sort of. 
Just so you know, here's his card. There's proof that this is who he is, Doomsday Dog. Yeah, that's me. That's my card. <laughs> you my have card. tinfoil on your head, too, don't you? Just so. <laughs> I have a halo, yes, right here, if you can see. There's my halo. So one of the, one of the things that comes to my mind when you're talking about that, though, is um, after the actual bodily resurrection of Christ, mm-hmm. um, there's this little verse, and I'm, I forgot what gospel. I think it might be John. I'm not paused. Pos- right now, I can't Matthew. remember it. He talked a lot about the resurrected Christ. It's in Matthew. So you know what I'm going to say? I'm pretty sure. Okay, go ahead and say it. And if you're you wrong, I'll let you know. Too long. Are you going to talk about the... Um, I could put myself up here. Yeah, go ahead. Are you going to talk about the the graves that opened up and... And the people... Yeah. yeah and, and appeared in the holy city. Yes. How and, did yeah. you know? So the earthquake. Yeah, yes. the earthquake. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. yeah that, that verse right there, nobody ever talks about that part. And mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, who was it? I had on and I asked them about it. It was some scholar, and he he kind of was annoyed that I asked him. I think. Do you remember who it was? It doesn't matter. No. But, well, um, David Lowe talks about it in Earthquake Resurrection. He talks about the fact that uh, that when resurrections occur mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible, uh, that there seems to be an earthquake associated with them. Interesting. Yeah, but don't you? But, yes. but was that one of the verses though that that you looked at mm. in order to think of this? That is, yeah, it's a it, it is a another sort of type or suggestion that um, that there is witnessing or testimonies that occur, uh, and that these appearances were sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, let me read this little a little section from Ray Steadman. He wrote this book okay. called "What on the World Is Happening," and he wrote this back in the late 1960s. And sort of during the same time frame as the late great planet Earth, the Jesus movement, and all okay, that. Okay, so Hal, Hal Lindsey that, wrote that book. What was that? Hal, Hal Lindsey wrote the late great planet Earth. Did I say? Did I not say Hal Lindsey? Um, Maybe I just. No, you that. didn't. But but I was uh, just. I that just, is correct. I just yes, know because I was born. I was alive back then. Yes. Stedman I, was sort of a pastor, and he was very well regarded back in that period of time, the 60s and 70s. Okay. He made this statement. He said, the church has been removed from the world. So he's saying after the rapture, at least from any visible participation in world affairs. Since we know that Christians will be given glorified bodies like their lords. And Paul says that once removed from this life, the church will be forever, quote, with the Lord, end quote. It seems highly likely that church Christians will join the Lord Jesus in this ministry behind the scenes during the tribulation. They will be like Moses and Elijah, who appeared with the transfigured Christ on the mount. The picture then is clear. Jesus will come for his church and take the members into a new relationship with him. Then he, with them, will remain throughout the, quote, end of the age, end quote, period, uh, appearing only to those whose hearts are ready to believe in him. Rumors of his presence will continually be spread abroad so that men will be saying in that day, as they said during the 40-day period, where is he? Authorities will search for him and will not be able to find him, but false prophets will claim to know where he is. And then he goes on and he talks about different things. And we talk about the cloud of glory and the pillar of fire and the fact that the church will actually be subsumed into, into that pillar of fire and cloud of glory because it is one of the ways that the glory of God appears during the tribulation and, and at the culmination of the tribulation. And uh, folks can look up and read Isaiah chapter 4. So these are ideas, they're not necessarily unique to us, but they're pretty scarce in terms of other folks that have talked about these things. 
and so these are just a few of the elements we discuss. But the book is 107,000 words, over 300 pages, and it deals with what we believe is perhaps the most under-discussed prophecy of all, which is that Christians are destined to become uh, partakers of the divine nature and to share in the glory of God. And that has some incredible ramifications. And so we felt that a book needed to be written to talk about that. So what, okay, so the the question is, so what's, what was the catalyst for you bringing this up? Because, um, <clears throat> you mean in this conversation? Well, no, just writing the book in general. I mean, I know you, oh. you and Gary Huffman wrote this and the foreword yeah. is by Dr. Michael Lake, who is also a, a isn't he evangelical as well? And he is. And, he's a and we Mr. could call him a scholar too, if yeah. you like. Yeah, he is. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead. He's a doctor. Block a troll here. See ya. Yes. Bye. Bye, troll. See you later. Don't let the door hit you. Anyway, um, I'm so yep. not in the mood today. <laughs> just so you Just know. don't deal with trolls. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, there's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been attacked with, before with trolls when, when appearing with you, so I know the, I know the deal. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, the, the motivation or the catalyst was... Mm -hmm. um, you know, part partly was that Gary and I discussed that we both had had uh, had real fascination and interest in the doctrine of the glorification of the believer, and and we both felt that it was one of the most important things that Christians should know about, and that there is a sort of stunning amount of no, or lack of knowledge about glorification and what it really means for Christians. Most of us have been taught this sort of idea of an afterlife where we're strumming on harps or that we go to heaven and we sort of live in the clouds. But the reality, in fact, one of the first things we say in the book is heaven is not your reward. And um, heaven is a is the green room. Heaven is the holding place. It's a waiting room. Uh, and the real afterlife begins uh, as we're glorified at the rapture, at the resurrection, and as we return with uh, with Christ Jesus to rule and reign with him on this world. And as good millennialists, that means that I believe in a physical, literal kingdom of God upon this earth for a thousand years. And, uh, and so that's, you know, sort of in essence, the real contrast to the sort of Judeo-Christian point of view from virtually all other religions. Yeah. And, okay. And that's actually how I understand it too. So basically just like Abraham's bosom was the holding place for the old Testament when we die, it's, quote, heaven. Is it raining out? Wow, it sounds like it just started pouring out. It's not raining in your room. No, it's not. But that was like, okay, so, yeah, Joel wants to know what's after the thousand years. That's what I was going to ask. because Because oh, okay. what I have, okay, so we know the millennial reign. That's where Christ reigns for a thousand years, and we mm -hmm. do that with, with them. But what happens after that thousand years? Joel, you yeah. read my mind because I was going to ask that same question. Yeah. Peter talks about the world being completely uh, consumed in a fire and that the creation is remade and a new heavens and a new earth is created. And uh, there are some hints. Paul talks about the fact that God will show us his glory and his continued grace, not only in the millennium, but Paul says in the ages to come. In the, the word age in the Greek is aeon or eon, uh, and the idea is that there have been ages in the past. We are living in an age right now, which is 
potentially an age that began with the creation of Adam and Eve and will culminate at the end of the millennium. But before that, there were ages, there were eons, and after the millennium, there will be more eons. It's a big universe. We don't know if if the entire universe has to be completely sort of uh, boiled, cleanse it from the corruption that it's in, but we know that uh, there will be eternity and that we will be there and we will be glorified and we will be in the God. We will be with God in a glorified state and, and he and us. And so it's uh, it's different than the way the angels are. And uh, this plan was actually thought up by God himself prior to the creation of the world, according to the Apostle Paul. It's the mystery. Well, and that's, it is, it is very interesting because, um, you know, I've always understood the Bible to mean, you know, there's going to be the tribulation, all that. But then the new Jerusalem will come down from the heavens onto this earth. And then right. there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But it would be a renewed new, it would be a, re, it would be a, um, this Recreated. earth, yeah, this earth would be the new heaven and the new earth, and then the new Jerusalem would, would come down. That's what I've always thought. So, uh, but, well, wait, and, but, and there, but there would be some that, that see it that way. Um, probably the, the traditional, conventional sort of way is to see uh, Christ coming back with the saints, establishing a kingdom in Jerusalem for a thousand years. The world is sort of under a reclamation project, but not all at once. Uh, but it is, you know, it is, it is sort of remade. But the there, there seems to be uh, in Peter a hint that there will be a complete redo, complete makeover for all of the creation that perhaps is, in fact, uh, eradicating the corruption to which the creation was um, basically uh, sort of what's the way that I'm trying to think of the word, the way the Bible uses subjected. it subjected, subjected to futility. I heard that voice. The creation was subjected to fatility in Romans chapter eight. In fact, that's right. the verse on the cover of the, uh, of the book. You could, you could read that if you want to. So, that's the okay. Meaning. So the verse on the cover says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that which shall be revealed in us. Romans eight eighteen. So, and this right. is the book, you guys. You can go over to doomsdaydug.com. You have it over there on your site, right? Well, you can. I'll, I'll take you from there to Amazon. Okay. Uh, it's really available on Amazon and the Amazon Distribution Network. And it's available as of yesterday in on, on a Kindle format as well. Okay. So you can have it either in print or on Kindle. All right. I want to just say one thing. This is just the caveat, people. Just so you know, unless I get some hate mail or whatever. Not that any Christians would ever write another Christian any mean stuff, but it does happen. It, this, the discussion in this book is not set in stone, okay, people? This isn't an issue of salvation, okay? So don't be dividing over it. Just if you don't agree, blah, blah, whatever. Don't, you know, don't get your panties in a wad because of that, okay? Just saying. And Doug's like, did she just say that? <laughs> But it's true. It's I mean, the way I've always. Oh said. yeah, that's what I meant. Anyway, but yes. you know, so but so here's the thing. I just get so irritated with Christians who are like, and yet they can't defend the basic tenets of the Christian faith, 
and yet they'll divide over over something that none of us really know, really. Okay, so I'm yeah. just so this is well, my cap. So I'm just saying, okay, if you I, and, and I appreciate you you saying that. I a couple of things we know that <laughs> the things that we're talking about could be a little controversial, right? But we do do things to try to uh, I'd say influence or convince people that that we got it right. Yeah. Uh, and the two things are one about 25 to 30 percent of the book is actually <clears throat> scripture. Yeah, there's and a lot it, in there. I saw it. Organ, organized in a topical way based upon the, the flow of the narrative. All right. So that's okay. So it really relies heavily on scripture. The other thing we do, which we think is kind of neat, is that we, we sort of hearken back to a bunch of older time scholars that, um, you know, maybe a dozen scholars that lived anywhere from 50 to 100 years ago. And we bring forward because uh, a lot of the people, you know, a lot of younger folks just aren't even familiar with the names of these people that wrote like T. Austin Sparks and Deverne Fromke and Arthur Pink and G.H. Pember and these different individuals. And we point out that that some of the great scholars of the past and evangelicalism, that they thoroughly support these points of view. And uh, and so what what has happened, though, in the last 20, 30 years is that evangelicals have we've gotten pretty captivated with eschatology. We talk about all these strange things like flying saucers, like we started the show with. But some of the classic doctrines of the Bible we haven't talked about. And stunningly, the, the issue of the afterlife, the nature of, of glorification, the importance of, of sanctification, its connection to glorification. These are classic things that scholars have talked about in, uh, in the evangelical world, but they haven't talked a lot about them in the last 20, 30 years. So that was one of our major motives. And there are a few new scholars that we we talk about as well. I think that we, we have this little device we call the deep dive. Mm-hmm. We have about like 18 deep dives that are typically a page or two. And they get into a little bit more of a scholarly understanding of these different uh, aspects to, to what we're discussing. So I think folks will find themselves challenged with some new ideas that, that will take them to a deeper level of understanding about the afterlife and they'll realize that we're not just like nutty Mormons or whatever out there, you know, talking about these strange terrestrial, celestial, weird ideas, but these are actually classic doctrines of the church that have just been underreported yeah. <laughs> in the last two or three decades. Well, you know, and it's interesting, you actually, one of the things you talk about too here is how does the Hebrew tabernacle prefigure New Testament teaching on justification, sanctification, and glorification? justification you mm-hmm. unless you're in a reformed church you never hear about it mm. i seriously i've never i yeah. mean i've been a what christian is justification yeah just if i had never been if just that if is, just if i had part never, of it. yeah if i had never sinned right i mean that's that's what most people might hear but there's never been that's, a real that's a simple yeah the, the 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 more biblically theologically sound view is that there's a great exchange we give our sin to christ and he gives his righteousness to us. us. Right. So we're not just innocent, we're actually righteous in Christ. Which is why we are creation. So does it drive you crazy when, when a Christian says, I'm a sinner saved by grace, as opposed to I've been justified and I'm hidden in Christ? 
I, I do like the latter much more than the former. It sounds uh, more better, doesn't it? It's is a little, uh, <laughs> just a little bit too, it's pretty unsound scripturally is what it is. Yeah. Well, and then the other no. thing is, okay, so, so justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, mm-hmm. the sanctification, again, that's, that's, it's, it's goes in together, but then I've never heard anything about the glorification. The only thing I've ever heard uh, on the topic of glorification is, you know what, after you die, you'll get a new body. And we all go, mm-hmm. yes, thank you, that's Lord. About, that's about it. Stacey. I want a new that's body. That's it. People here. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so. and of course, we, we, we talk, I mean, that's why it, believe it or not, it takes 300 pages to lay out all of the scriptures and the discussion associated to glorification. That to me was what was so staggering about, you know, writing this book is I, I wrote wrote the book with Gary Huffman and I still go through it, reread the scriptures. I'm still learning new things. It is, it is so vast topic. And if you think about it, and this is kind of one of the main points I I like to make is think about this is that God is giving us a gift of sharing in his glorified divine nature. And most of us don't even understand what that means. We have no idea what the glory of God is about. The idea that we would share in his nature, um, we just are oblivious to it. And yet there is no greater thing that God could do for us than that he would share the essence of his nature with us who totally don't deserve it. That is the grace of God. And, uh, you know, the glory of God, let me take just a second to talk about that because most of us don't understand what the glory of God is. We think of glory, I I jokingly sort of call it like, well, it's a victory lap. You know, we get to stand on the, you know, on the platform and we get to hear the national anthem play. And so that's glory. I felt that when I, when I won my pickleball tournament, that first time I stood up on the thing and had my award, Mm -hmm. I was so proud. And, and, and that was glory, right? (laughs) That's not the glory of God. It was a long day. So yeah, that was kind of glorious for me. (laughs) But that's, that's typically the human idea of glory. And that's a true definition, but the glory of God is the way it's explained in the Bible is so different than that. The glory of God is this overwhelming presence. It's, uh, it's a glory that, that shines and glistens and glimmers and, uh, uh, Moses was told by God that he couldn't look directly at God because no man could look at the glory of God and and live. And yet we're going to share in that glory. The glory of God uh, was in the cloud of the cloud of glory, the pillar of fire. That was the glory of God. Very substantial. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the the Egyptian army didn't want to go through it. They stood back away from it because it was too frightening. When the glory of God filled Solomon's temple, at the temple's dedication, the priests that were serving in the temple, they had to leave because the glory of God was so powerful, it drove them outside of the temple. And, uh, and so the glory of God, like a cloud, it's substantive. It's the word that we writers use is palpable. You know, it has a physical presence or manifestation. And that is the nature of the glory of God, the glory that we are to share in. So um, anyway, so there are so many verses that talk about the glorification of the believer and the glory of God. Colossians one twenty seven, Ephesians one nineteen, Ephesians three ten through thirteen. These are all incredible verses, and and uh, we write a whole chapter just on the book of Hebrews, and talking about Hebrews and how the writer of the Hebrews talks about bringing many sons and daughters to glory. 
and that that is uh, that really is the essence of our faith is the future glorification that we'll experience being the children of God. Amen. Well, <clears throat> see, and that totally encourages me. I can tell you that right now. So how does all how does these teachings, though, the Hebrew tabernacle, how does that prefigure in the New Testament? Yeah. Because and, well, and the, look, well, let me yeah, just ask. Ahead. OK. Yeah, and and would you say that the understanding the Hebrew in the tabernacle there, understanding the Bible in the context in which it was written makes more sense when you actually look mm -hmm. at these issues? Is that? Yeah. Oh, I okay. think so. And what is uh, is pretty fascinating are the we use the term typology. Uh, the types or the anti-types, which is basically the idea of symbolism, prefiguring uh, in the tabernacle, which was really, you know, sort of the forerunner to the temple. They were both structured the same way with three major rooms. There was the outer court, there was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies. And the outer court really represents the righteousness or the justification that to get into the outer court, you had to be cleansed of your sin uh, to go from the outer court into the holy place. You had to begin to be um, made holy, to be sanctified, to be cleansed. All right. So as you would move into the, the holy place, there was um, the, the lever. There were, the, you know, there's there different. There's the showbread, which is the presence sanctification, part of sanctification is the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, inside of us, that, that it is a sanctifying presence. You know, know you not, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and there's something that you're saying, but I can't read it. Oh, 120, oh 525 years now? Well, that's good. Thank you, everybody that's listening in. And so the holy, the holy place you were sanctified, the Spirit of God would, would dwell there, and you dwelled with the Spirit. But to proceed beyond that to the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could enter in one day a year, and this is where the Ark of the Covenant was, and the cherubim that extended their wings. We all saw the Ark, you know, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, the Holy Place was the dwelling place of God, and we are all to enter into, finally, into that Holy Place, where we dwell in the presence of God. But to get there, we have to pass through the process of sanctification. And so each of these, in fact, represents the stages of our salvation. And you saw the same thing. Interestingly, our friend Derek Gilbert talks about this in his, his new book. Um, Which is really good, What's by his the new way. book's title? I'm trying to think of it. The Great Inception? Yeah. The Inception? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Great Inception, I think, is what it is. I don't know. But it's really good. Yeah, go ahead. It's really good. It's a good book. Yes. You guys should get that one, too. Great book. He mentions that there were 70 elders, and uh, the 70 elders went with Moses. Uh, they were selected out, so they were the, the justified that were selected with Moses. They went halfway up the mountain, and they ate a meal with God, so they experienced the presence of God. But only Moses could go all the way up to the top of the mountain where God dwelled, and only Moses was able to, in effect, enter into the holy place, uh, or excuse me, the holy of holies, just as the as the high priest would do once a year, and uh, and so you see this typology in the Old Testament, and then you see it realized in the New Testament in the process of our salvation. So uh, once we understand that our goal is to be in the holy of holies, to be dwelling in God and He and us thoroughly, 
um, it should cause you to be a bit staggered. If you're not overwhelmed by that, then you don't really understand the magnificence of that. Yeah, I don't think most Christians do. <laughs> that was why we wrote the book. Right. So, okay, I have a, I have a couple of questions. Um, I think, Randall, our, our hour mark is, what, about 10 after today? Yeah. Um, okay. I just five or six more minutes, I think. Maybe maybe seven. Yeah, because we're not on Blog Talk Radio anymore. We, we left them. Well, we've been streaming for an hour and 11 minutes But so that was far. before we went online. No, we've been streaming for an hour and 11 minutes. Really? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Probably it we doesn't. didn't say anything bad about anybody in the first 11 minutes. It doesn't seem right, but... Uh, no, we haven't been on Periscope an hour, though. We started at about 2.12 Central Time, I yeah. think. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so just so, you know, we, I know that there's other people that want to scope and they're probably here in the show. Uh, so let me, okay. So let's, let's start to wind this down. Okay. Those of you who are in the chat room, do you have any questions for Doug? Doomsday, Doug. I mean, what kind of, what kind of cool name is that? Right. Um, and cause if you do, this would be a good time to start asking them. Um, and let's see here. Also, yeah, you can put Doug back on. Is it okay with you if I share these notes with our inner circle? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are my talking points just to help the, the folks that interview us when we're doing shows. Okay. Uh, and yeah, there's a, it's a nice little summary. Yeah. So the Pillars the, of the Community, you guys will get a copy. of This is nine pages of basically what this book is. We'll, we'll throw that in our group afterwards. But um, uh, yeah, I don't see any questions. You guys seem very quiet today. They're just overwhelmed. They're all in there. I don't know what it is. It's so weird. It's so yeah. weird. I, I saw a couple of trolls make comments, but I don't know. And I Anybody showed... looking forward to being a partaker of the divine nature? I mean, I am. I'm I'm sick of this world. Just so you know, I'm sick of this fleshly body. Blah, blah. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Dude, I just can't lose weight no matter how I try. I know. You know? It's irritating. Well, I just no. had to get glasses, so. Eh. <laughs> I'll just share a couple of verses. Okay. Um, Doug's going to share some verses. Do you guys have any questions? Then I'll write yeah. them down. Feel free to answer a question. I'll just read a couple of these verses okay. to point out what we're talking about. Hebrews 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So the comment I made was Christ's path was always towards his passion, towards his suffering, the scourging and the cross. Um, Colossians 1, 26 through 27. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So that's part of the revealing as well as the revealing of the mystery. Uh, verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay. Those are great verses. Okay. Rick has a question. All right. Now, Rick has, Rick is a very popular periscoper. His hashtag is Jesus did it. And, <laughs> and he, uh, he actually, um, he actually, uh, actually comes on our show sometimes, but he has, his question is, he wants to know if we talked about the pre post mid trib, etc issues so basically rick are you wanting to know what he thinks as far as what he is what he believes not that you are Ooh, you're one of those evil doers you're a post-tripper 
or oh, you're a pre-tribute, oh, ah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I sure. hold the pre-tribute, okay. but at, at okay. the very least, I'm a pre-rather. Okay. So explain what that means to somebody like me or somebody okay. else who might not know yeah. what that means. Yeah. Well, there's a usual the conventional view is association of the final seven years of Daniel's prophecy, the 70th week with a tribulation period of seven years. Um, they actually scripturally, those two don't have to be aligned, but it is common for people, uh, to, to align it, right? There's the 70 weeks of Daniel, the book. Yes. All right. So that's common. Um, the great tribulation, which Jesus uses that term sort of mega, uh, thalipsis, I think it probably be the way it's stated in the Greek mega thalipsis, uh, is great distress, great tribulation usually associated with the final three and a half years that begins when the Antichrist appears in the temple and declares himself to be God and to be worshipped as God and then blasphemes God. That we know is a three and a half year period because Revelation and Daniel both are very specific about that. And so that is generally considered the great tribulation, the period of wrath of God. There's a wrath of Satan, which likely begins at that point in time when the Antichrist reveals himself. The wrath of God is is separate. Most, most of us believe it's a separate period that may last from one day to 30 days to five months to the final year. I've seen positions advanced on all those, but it's a subset of the Great Tribulation and specifically is the wrath of God. Uh, First Thessalonians uh, 5.8 says that we have not been destined to the terrors of wrath, but to the attainment of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. I happen to believe that that is speaking of the wrath of the tribulation period. Some believe it's the wrath of hellfire, let's say eternal damnation. But I believe its context is is tribulational wrath. And that the pre-trath rapture view is that we would be raptured. We may pass through a portion of the tribulation, i.e. the devil's wrath, but God's wrath, we would be saved from, saved or snatched out of. Harpazo is the Greek. Uh, rapturi was the was the word that Jerome used when he translated the Greek into Latin, the Vulgate Bible, back around the time of Augustine, around 400, 450 uh, A.D. So that's where rapture comes from. The Greek word is mm-hmm. harpazo. I'm a little bit partial to the harp part of that. Yes, the harp is you should be. Well, I, well, actually, you know, Doug, you actually just taught me something. I hope so. I mean, what I, was it? I learned, I, I learned new stuff all the time. I guess it was just the way that you said, you know, I've never thought about the differences between the devil's wrath and God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Very interesting yeah. because I know, see, I tend to hold a pre-trib view um, mm-hmm. because, well, just because that's the view well, I Well, because you're so smart. Yeah, well, <laughs> I am. I look smarter with glasses, too, by the way. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, but do I look smart without my glasses? No, actually you don't. You look, you look smarter with them on, but anyway, the, <laughs> the, but the, um, but the, but see a lot of people will go, well, Christians, uh, you're an, you're a, you're just an escape artist. You're, you don't want to believe in the rat in the, in, in the tribulation and all this stuff. You don't want to believe this. And I always go, okay, do you first of all know who you're talking to? Because if you knew me, you would know that I wrote for Voice of the Martyrs for eight years, okay? And so mm-hmm. there's, I understand Christian persecution is alive and well on planet Earth. And it's also, mm-hmm. it's also like escalated more 
in the time I've lived than in all previous times in history. Most, Supposedly more martyrs today, what, than, than any other time, just as you said. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's, but I never thought about, this is what you just, you just put mm-hmm. into a, a new frame for me. I actually never mm-hmm. thought about the whole idea of, of that being Satan's wrath over God's wrath. So I think well, you remember the, the part in Revelation where it talks about Michael and his angels had a war with yeah. Satan and cast him out. Right. And then says, you know, woe unto the earth because uh, Satan has uh, come down to you and he knows that he has a very short time. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, many of us, I happen to believe that the rapture is the thing that pushes, pushes uh, Satan down to the earth. So that might make me a mid-tribber, but whenever it is, you know. I happen to think that the two points are correlated, but regardless, there is a time where Satan um, obviously takes takes on the church and overcomes the church uh, and overcomes the the two witnesses, and that is the Satan's wrath. But then we get into the the vials of wrath, the, the the final seal, the sixth seal, and the seventh seal, the seven trumpets, the seven vials of wrath. Right. That period of wrath, that is God's wrath, not Satan's wrath. Yeah. See, and that makes sense. And Rick actually just made a comment, which I I concur with. Rick Rick basically said he believes more in the pre-trib wrath because of Noah's Ark. And in in the type there, you know, that the Ark, Christ is our Ark, you know? So Yes. But I also, if looking at the book of Revelation, the church isn't seen after chapter three. And so I go, okay, wait, so there's the seven letters to the churches, I totally believe we're in, we're in the church of Laodicea right now. I totally believe that, mm-hmm. you know, and then after that talks about the glory of heaven and then you have all the judgments. So that's part did of the you reason. Know, did you know that Revelation chapter 12 verses one through five also talks about the rapture? That's the sign, you know, the woman with the sun uh, shining on her and the moon at her feet, mm-hmm. the crown of 12 stars. And it talks about the woman giving birth to the male child. Then the male child is snatched up to heaven. Did you know who the male child is? Some commentators believe the male child, of course, is just Jesus. But we talk in the book about how many, and there are many commentators, that believe the male child is the church. And the word used for snatched up to heaven is harpazo, the same word that Paul uses. That's very interesting. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you'll have to read the book. Read uh, the chapter of the parousia, and then the uh, the chapter on the male, the male child, uh, and what does it mean for all Israel to be saved? Yeah. So we get into some pretty thorny issues, and we lay those out. Very cool. Okay, Randall, Pandal, Bear, do you have any questions before we let everybody go? I don't think oh. there's any more questions in the chat room. All right. Um, should just wondering how to put myself on screen. Let's see. You did it earlier. And you're no, I know. I just, I just wondered what, which configuration. But I'm going to, uh, besides this disembodied voice, put me on the screen next to you, Doug. There you are. Isn't yeah. he handsome? He's a good-looking guy, I tell you. I just, I just want to say thank you for writing this book, even though I haven't read it, because it's been discussed earlier so much. Uh, our glorified state is... is never talked about in the church except for yeah. oh like I said uh hallelujah i'll be able to see perfectly or i'll be right but the in, leap and all that yeah but that's just but that's just a perfected human state really it's it's beyond that you know 
Oh, yeah, it, it is. Think, I, you will be absolutely blown away when you I, when you read how much material there is about this. Yeah, I think it's, you know something we often overlook in Romans chapter six that even as Christ was raised, you know that even uh-huh. so we should walk in newness of life. And Indeed. I think that that's true, you know, this side of glory as, you know, we identify with him and we're seated in the heavenlies positionally, all that kind of stuff. Yes. But, yep. but I think that speaks of the future, you know, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, you know, in his <laughs> glorified body, even we yes. also should walk in newness of life. That's yet to Indeed. come. and. And Children does not yet appear what we shall be, but yeah. we know we shall be like him. For we, for shall, we shall see him as, as he is. is. Exactly. Amen to that. And mm. so I think we would be a lot more excited about you know, the afterlife if we thought about that. That it's not an end, but just no. the beginning of something uh, you know, the, Our lives now will seem like a, a, mm. just a shadow. Yeah. Uh, compared to what our lives will be like. And then, of course, we I happen to believe that, that in America there does not lie a great time of prosperity ahead the way that some believe. I happen to believe that a time of uh, persecution lies in front of us. And so mm-hmm. one of the reasons we wrote this book Did was you? so that people can get their wheels aligned and understand the reward that we have uh, awaiting us and why it's worth it why it's worth it to go through what we'll have to go through yeah i love what uh, paul talks about uh uh, our light afflictions you know our temporary light afflictions you know this is the guy that was what 40 lashes you know minus one three times times or something like that Uh, i know our light afflictions aren't worthy to be compared you know with the weight of glory and this idea of comparing the weight of it so rick has a question he wants he said should we be figuring out who the antichrist is when there's no temple yet for him to defile i'll i'll tell you my opinion on that mm-hmm. no <laughs> Here, here's my opinion this is just my opinion rick my opinion is that the christian church christians care too much about who the stupid antichrist is mm-hmm. and and you know the truth is i believe it's going to be a man but i also believe it's a system and I think the yeah. system, the beast, is already in place. And I think that <clears throat> if you happen to be around when the Antichrist is here, you're in trouble. That's my opinion. But but you, I happen to believe, you know, as John says, there are you know little children. You've heard that that the Antichrist is coming, but I tell you, he is already here. There are many Antichrists that have gone out into the world, yeah. and we are living in that same time where there are many Antichrists in the world. Yeah, somebody just said the Seventh Day Adventists believe it's the Pope. Um, I I think that the Pope. How so did Martin Luther and John Calvin? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church for many reasons, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely not a fan of the Pope for any mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. This um, Pope in particular. Um, yeah, I just yeah we won't bag on the Catholic Church, but the point is is that at least for me, um, I think that we lack, and I'm just talking about myself. Okay, it could be you that maybe you're different, but I don't know Christ that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know him that great. I don't know him that well. You're right. I mean, I, I love him, um, mm-hmm. but I've been following him only for 30 something years. and I really don't know him that good. And so I'd rather focus on who he is as opposed to the stupid Antichrist. Mm. Because what good is that? I mean, it's. Right. We're already living in the fallen world. We don't. I don't need to focus on that anymore. It's a character who loved to defile. I I agree. I think that that that's part of the story that we're trying to tell in the book too. Is that 
that we're focused too much, uh, those of us that follow Bible prophecy, we're focused too much on the wrong things. We need to be really centered on the, the, you know, the, the life that God has in store for us after this one and uh, focus on Christ, his glory, and, uh, and be so grateful and thankful that, that we are going to be able to share in that. And uh, that's where, you know, that's where our mind, we need to spend a lot more time meditating on that than worried about the Antichrist. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, Doug, thank you for being our guest. Absolutely. Always such fun. For giving us your time and your talent. Happy to share it. Appreciate it. And those of you who stayed tuned in for all this time, thank you guys for coming in and being part of the Periscope audience. If you are um, listening to the archive of this on Blog Talk Radio, just so you know, this is going to be one of the shows we post. on. This is going to be the, one of the last. I think tomorrow we'll be doing one more. Um, and then from now on, you can just go over to our website. You can go over to our Periscope channel until we figure out if we want to put a podcast up someplace else. Um, we don't have the money to keep paying Blog Talk Radio for the for the lousy service we get. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, people, if if all of you on Blog Talk Radio re- really want us to stay on Blog Talk Radio or you really want a podcast, you better email me and tell me because, you know, I need to know. Otherwise, see ya. <laughs> anyway, Doug, I'm sorry. Tell everybody where they can get a hold of your book and your website and all that again one more time. In case they sure. Can. Well, uh, the reason I go by Doomsday Doug is just so people can remember it because that's pretty easy. So you can you can do a doomsdaydoug.com and find my website. Uh, my books, I've written, like you said, about 14, I think. You can find them all on Amazon. Uh, there are Kindle versions of all the books. And all but this last one are also available on iBooks and Lulu and Nook and all that. But uh, But just do a search for S. Douglas Woodward on Amazon. Uh, or any of the book titles. Amazon's pretty good about uh, having search results for me. Um, and, uh, you know, and like I said, this new book, The Revealing, has uh, just been out for the last couple of weeks, and the Kindle version has just been out for about 24 hours. So they're both available, and, and uh, would love it if you uh, have a chance to read the book and would write it in a brief review. It, it really helps us starving artists like myself. Uh, that we don't sell, you know, we're not New York Times bestsellers because we just don't have that big of an audience. But, um, you know, for those that can can share a word or two uh, about the book, it really helps. Yep. And like I said earlier, those of you who are in our pillars of the community, we'll go ahead and we'll give you the cliff notes of, a, of we'll give you the, the, the cheat sheet so you can get a better look. And then you'll go, yeah, I want to get the whole thing. Um, and don't forget, you can become a Patreon of our show by going to patreon.com forward slash Bible news and, uh, you know, give your best donation. (laughs) You'll get some good rewards. Just go over there and check it out. All right. We'll see you tomorrow for free for all Friday right here on Periscope. See ya. Bye.